welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy, and today we're going to be talking about Sliding Doors, which was released in the US, the UK, and Ireland on the May uh, on May 1st, 1998, so exactly the same day. But it got a limited run in the US on April 24th, so a limited run for a week. Um, it was written and directed by Peter Howitt, and it stars Gwyneth Paltrow, John Hanna, John Lynch, and Jean Triplehorn. And it is our first British film on the podcast, technically. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Well, Jimmy and I have thought of problems the movie has, three each, and we'll discuss them. We'll, we'll see if yeah. we have three problems. We also have thought of one positive the movie has. Right. So usually... We would start off with Jen asking me what my history is, but I'd never seen this movie before. Um, so I'm going to ask Jen what her history is. <laughs> uh, I probably saw it opening weekend. Right, okay. And I've seen it many times throughout the years. I've listened to the soundtrack many times mm-hmm. throughout the years. Um, it's a good soundtrack. And it is a good soundtrack. Uh, and supposedly... Eminem first heard Thank You by Dido during a commercial for Sliding Doors. Mm. So (laughs) this movie had a little something to do with Stan, which is weird. (laughs) Um, And I hadn't watched it in a while and I picked it because I think think my thought was Gwyneth Paltrow's a problematic person. So clearly a movie she was in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I forget, I forget that, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow is a good actress and she's made some good movies. Yes. Um, I, I actually really enjoy watching her. I enjoy watching her still. Uh, she's on a Netflix show. Oh God, I forget what it's called. Um, but it's a Ryan Murphy show and she's really good on it. Uh, but yeah, I thought this would be, <laughs> I, I thought it would be a lot worse. Yes. Yes. So just like the last time when the Terminator was a bad pick, this is also a bad pick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I I like this film. And, I mean, it doesn't matter. We can still like the films that we talk about. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But I was struggling to find anything actually like wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Because, it, but I have, I have actually found a couple of things. So that's good. At least two. One I'm gonna have Me to too. Yeah, one I'm gonna have to actually just try and sort of Yeah. One doesn't really count, but <laughs> and uh I didn't write down my positive, but I'll think of that when we get to it. But yeah, okay. It's no, it's a good film, actually. I don't know why I'd never seen it. Uh when I found out that you when you when you messaged me to say uh, that it was a bad pick. <laughs> you were actually enjoying it. <laughs> I got worried and I ha- and we had to postpone a we had to postpone a week, so I thought maybe we should, maybe I should suggest we do something else. Mm-hmm. But then I realized uh, this movie is really interesting, mm-hmm. and talking about the idea of the movie is interesting enough that I was like, it's fine that I still only have two problems. <laughs> yeah, no, it is for a discussion. It is a good pick because of the um, the way it's made and um, the whole premise of it. Uh, so at least we can talk about that. So. What is your first problem, quote unquote? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I'm going first because it's from the very, very beginning of the movie. Right. I think the first scene is bad. Right. Um, I don't understand exactly what he wanted us to get out of it. Um, The first scene, you know, first we see a montage of like 
Helen, you know, waking up and getting ready for work and like the errands she runs on the way to work and she gets in, she's running late uh-huh. and she throws some bottles of liquor on her desk um, and she goes into a room with like five men and what one what two of them have one line each in this whole scene and one of them one of those lines is after she exits the room so she comes in and she's like they're just staring at her and she's just like you know what's wrong and one of them holds up holds up a spearnoff smearnoff box mm-hmm. can't I can't talk today and she's like oh okay i see what it is and she she goes on about how, like, it was her birthday last week and she took some vodka because she didn't have time to go to the store, which, like, I don't understand why she wouldn't ask her deadbeat boyfriend to go by the store because he doesn't have mm-hmm. anything else to do as far as she knows. Uh, but the guy's just like, well, that doesn't work, you know, when I'm trying to entertain clients on Saturday. And she basically does this whole monologue where she fires herself. Right. <laughs> and I... Watching it, I'm just like, did they not want to pay actors to say mm-hmm. lines? Like, what is the deal here? I don't know exactly. I think that he's that it's supposed to be a clever thing that's going on in that scene with her doing all the talking. But I really, I've never liked it. It's always mm-hmm. bothered me. And it's it bothers me even more now that I'm an adult because it's like, don't fire your, you make mm-hmm. them say it. You make them say you're getting yeah. fired. Like, she she essentially just, like, fires herself and leaves the room before anyone even says anything. And I hate Yeah. It. It's a bit of an odd scene. Because um, I was watching it and I was like, oh, what's Jen pick me to watch now? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, no, it's... I mean, in that scene, her boss is played by Kevin McNally, who is, like, well-known in the UK for a lot of TV work and all that, but he's also in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, But he is a British actor and he, for his two lines or whatever he's got, he's got an American accent here for some reason. And then obviously Gwyneth Paltrow is American and she's got a British accent. So it's just sort of threw me. But her accent's good. It is? Yeah. I never know with these things. Her accent is really good. There's occasional times when she falls into the trap of over mispronounce over pronouncing stuff like um but mm-hmm. she's still yeah it's still a good accent she did really well um so there you go right. if she did a scottish accent i'd probably be a wee bit more sort of because <laughs> um, scottish <laughs> accent's not easy to do um but yeah that the woman scene is quite strange and it also leads into my um, my first problem, which is the majority of men in this movie are all scum. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all the men are terrible, apart from uh, John Hannah's character, uh, who is a Scotsman. Yay! <laughs> and then you've got the the nice man at the, the deli place um, that she meets, that she gets... Breakfast, breakfast from every morning, and then she, he gives her a job. <laughs> Lovely bloke. And then you've got mm-hmm. the um, the taxi driver, who helps her after she gets mugged. That's the three nice guys in this entire yeah. movie. The rest are arseholes. I <laughs> I just thought of my third problem. So right, <laughs> yeah, okay. I did it. I did it. Yeah, I can re- I can relax a little. Um, <laughs> the thing is, okay, so Jerry's best friend. Uh, he does seem like kind of an asshole, but I also love him. 
Yeah. Um, I love him so much because I love that he knows that Jerry is a prick. Yeah. Um, he does not approve or like, I don't know if it's even a matter of approving or not. He just know that knows that Jerry is doing something bad and that he's really screwing up in ways that are just ridiculous. And I yeah. love that he it, it's not he's not encouraging him. He's just laughing at him a lot. Like I love Jerry is such a just a worthless piece of crap. He's and terrible. I, and I just love that every time he goes to complain to his friend, his friend's like, haha, you're stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's really it's delightful because there's um you know, it's a it's a stereotype and it's a true thing that like when someone's cheating on their partner, um you know, they'll often have you know, a confidant, they'll have a friend they talk to about it at some point. You would like to think a good like any decent person would tell the partner, oh, you know, your person's cheating on you, right? Mm-hmm. But generally, they keep the secret, which I, I don't blame him. I don't want to get in the middle of that stuff. And no. so I love that he's his friend that's like, he's there for him to complain to and everything, but he's also just laughing at him. And yeah. I, ho- I hope that everyone who who um, is who's cheating on someone and has that friend, I hope the friend at least like makes fun of them a little. That makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> Yeah, because he deserves it. But also, there's a couple of times where the friend says things that makes me sort of dislike him as well. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, yeah, because he's making fun of Jerry, I think, yeah, I, I like him. I was just happy every scene he was in. <laughs> yeah, because Jerry, I mean... Right, you're not supposed to like Jerry. Mm-mm. I get that. But he is awful. Like, he's... And he constantly, it's all about him and how he's getting wronged <laughs> um, every single time he does something. It's like, oh, woe is me. This bad thing happened to me after I was cheating on my girlfriend <laughs> with someone else. And I, oh, <laughs> one thing, and I shouldn't pity him at all, but one thing I do pity him for is that I don't think he understood understood what he was getting into with Lydia when he started this affair with her, which like I, I do the, the thing that makes him like um, just the tiniest bit of a percentage uh, more sympathetic to him is that apparently Lydia was like an ex lover that came back into his life. No. <laughs> no, but like he, he gets no sympathy at all. No, I guess not sympathy, but like I don't know. I'm too I'm too forgiving of people. I'm like I know, that but cheating... that's but that's blaming it on not blaming it on Lydia, but that's putting more on Lydia. No, I know, but she's him. also very very frightening. She's scary as fuck. <laughs> I I am sympathetic to him because it's like at, at a certain point, just just slightly, because I'm like. Even if you want to do the right thing and get out of this right now, I don't think you can. Like, this woman is, like, even if he somehow was like, oh, I appreciate Helen now and I realize what I've done wrong and I want to get out of the situation and treat Helen great forever, he wouldn't be able to. Yeah. That's just something he wouldn't be able to do. She is terrifying. And it's so crazy after watching Big Love for so long um, because she's, like, the nice, sweet wife, you know, that's kind of, like... Did you ever watch that show? No, I've, I've well, I watched like the first couple episodes, but 
Yeah, it's like the only reason she agreed to take a second wife is because she had cancer and thought she was going to die. And then she didn't die. So she's this woman who's ended up in this world that she consented to, but like is not happy. Whatever. And it's so different from Sliding Doors. And so now watching Sliding Doors, um, I see that and it's just crazy. And she's from Tulsa. Was she? Yeah. uh, One time when I worked at Borders Bookstore, uh, somebody came into the sort room in the back where I was, you know, getting books ready to go out on the floor. And they were like, Jeannie Triplehorn's here. Jeannie Triplehorn's here. And I was like, what? And the supervisor back there was like, don't say anything to her. Like, I hear she likes her privacy, like she's that she's kind of shy. Um, and I was like, okay. And so I go out just to kind of like gawk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to be sly. Right. And I'm, I'm straightening some books. My friend Allison comes over. We're talking about Jeannie Triplehorn. And this is like, not only when big love is on, but like the night before I'd watched an episode where she like gave a really great performance. And all I wanted to do was go talk to her about that. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to upset her. Right. right. Cause like I'd already upset Essie Hinton the author of Outsiders All right. once by talking to her about her stuff. And so that at this point I'm like afraid to piss someone off. And all of a sudden Jeannie Triplehorn standing right next to me. She needed help finding Dick and Jane books. And I froze <laughs> like a freak. And my friend Allison had to help her, but that's my Jeannie Triplehorn story <laughs> is that I could have helped her find some Dick and Jane books and maybe had a nice mm-hmm. exchange, but instead I froze like a freak and she probably knew exactly yeah. why I'm sure she knew exactly why. Well, I know her from uh, basic instinct and uh, water world. So I have not, so seen I go either further back <laughs> than them than this. Uh, this is the, I think this is the first thing I saw her in. Yeah. Um, and I'd heard of her, like, you know, my dad hung draperies in her apartment. All right. Okay. And <laughs> um, there was a period of time in the 90s where she dated Ben Stiller. Yeah. So I guess he was in town a lot. But yeah, I guess she still comes here a lot. And she seems really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, so anyway, I like to mention the, the Tulsa pride. Also, uh, I do like that uh, when... Jerry, the woman Jerry's cheating on uh, Gwyneth Paltrow with is actually older. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the stereotype of a younger woman. Like, Helen is the one who's younger. Um, uh, before we get into my next problem, I just want to talk for a minute about um, the concept of the movie. Okay, yeah, carry on. Um, the idea, because I think about this all the time, I don't know about you, but like, like there'll be times where I'm trying to think which way I should go home, take going home, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll be driving home and I'll be like, but what would have happened if I'd taken that other way? Like, sometimes you have a bad feeling. Like, I'll think, oh, I shouldn't do this right now because I just, I just have a bad feeling about it. And then I always wonder, was that nothing? Or like, would something terrible have happened <laughs> if I'd done right. that? And uh, the idea of the movie, I mean, it's so simple, but it's something that, like, it was original, you know? And I love that it's something as simple as catching a train. Yeah. No, it's a good premise. Um, It gets a little bit confusing on occasion, um, but probably because I was just watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine if you watch it more than once, then, you know, it's easier to comprehend. But there's a couple of times that I'm like, wait, who's pregnant? What what's what's going on? She's but, pregnant here, but is she pregnant? I he was clever to have her um hurt her head at the beginning, so you have yes. the bandage can tell you which timeline you're in, and then she changes her hair in um the other one, so you have like blonde short yeah, hair. Yeah, but when and you've got scenes hair. that she's not in, 
it can be a bit confusing mm-hmm. because you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jerry stuff can get confusing. Um, I also something that's always bothered me. I guess this could. Okay, I'll 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 make this part of mm-hmm. one of my problems. Um, the idea that uh, she was gonna get pregnant no matter what at the mm. same time. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but like, what are the odds that like it's just a matter of her having sex around this time? Like, yeah. That either man would have gotten her pregnant. I'm tacking that onto my uh, other problem because it's so dumb. Uh, it's just it bothers me in movies. When someone thinks they're pregnant and they take, like, one million pregnancy tests, like, she had bought uh-huh. three packets and there are two yep. in a packet, right? So she'd taken six. I mean, it's been a long time since so I took one, but it's usually, like, around 10 to $20. And, I mean, you can get them at the dollar store, and I'm honestly going to guess that a dollar store pregnancy test is probably the exact same thing you pay $10 for. But there's something about the fact that it's a one dollar pregnancy test that makes it seem like it wouldn't be good it's kind of like when you get sushi at the grocery store it's fine i watch them make it fresh but there's something about grocery store sushi that just sounds dirty um and it's it just like i just watched juno and she takes multiple pregnancy tests i'm like and especially on teen shows and stuff if a teen thinks she's pregnant she'll like come in with a bag full of like a dozen tests and i'm like did you just spend two hundred dollars on tests (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just always driven me crazy that, like, people, the amount of money people seem to always have for pregnancy tests in TV and movies. It, I hate it. I couldn't even tell you how much pregnancy tests are over here, um, because it's set in London. So I couldn't even tell you how much they are. But I don't think they're that expensive over here. I don't know. I don't know. Never taken one myself, so... (laughs) I feel like it's, I, I wouldn't be, I mean, a lot of things are pretty comparable in price, mm. I think. So I would think that would be about the same. And like, it's not even that I think Helen can't afford it. It's just something that at this point drives me crazy when I see it, no matter yeah. where it is. Because it is something that first started bothering me when I saw teens uh, with like bags full of pregnancy tests. And then one day I found out how much a pregnancy test was and I was like, TVs made me think it was like two or three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're not cheap. So uh, basically, I guess anything having to do with her pregnancy. It is a bit strange that she falls pregnant at the exact same time in the two different timelines to two different men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit odd, um, but you know, it does move the plot along. Um, I don't really understand why she has to be pregnant in both. It doesn't really do anything. Um, well, it's the tragedy of her losing the baby, right? True, but in the timeline where she is with John Hannah's character, she dies anyway. So her being pregnant didn't add anything. It's a double loss. Yeah, for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, James is a good guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have, well, I'll talk about him later. But yeah, I don't I don't see why they had to do the pregnancy in both storylines. Um, I, I do see the value in having it. Yeah, because I think it's enough that she dies in that timeline for him to suffer. Yeah. And the ending, the, the timeline that she has sort of suffered the most then because she's still with Jerry um, and then she finally tells him to fuck off (laughs) 
and then she meets James again. I like that. I like that ending because it's, you know, it's an ending of hope. Well, and you need that because it's like, so she either she catches the train or she misses the train in one life. Yeah, she catches her her husband cheating on her. But then she's like, she gets to go and make this better life. And she meets James, who like he's so different from Jerry, like. The fact that after she loses her job, you see, like, one man is encouraging mm-hmm. her and, like, you know, she starts her own business and then the other mm. one is, like, not doing shit. <laughs> like, it, it just shows the difference between the two men. Yeah, so, like, she 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 goes with mm-hmm. James and has this, like, great life, right? Like, there's a little bit of conflict, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty great life. And then she dies and then she has such a terrible time with Jerry that I'm, like... I don't know which timeline's better anymore. Like, no. is it, is it, I mean, obviously you don't want her to die, but like she got to fall in love and like mm-hmm. have this good life before she died here. And if she didn't have that encounter with James at the end, I would just be like, would she have been better off dying? This yeah. is sad and pathetic. You know what I mean? Like, cause she's not only discovered that her husband's cheating on her, but like she just lost her baby. But ultimately, I think what it's saying is that that timeline where all this shit happened is ultimately the better one because mm-hmm. she learned to like sort of stick up for herself more and tell Jerry to piss off and all that, and she became stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the other timeline, she became stronger quicker, but this one, I think she learned more. Well, this time she became stronger on her own. Yes. Whereas in the other one, it's because of, like, a lot of it is because of James. Yes. And also because she found Jerry cheating on her straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she sort of had to have a crash course in being strong. Whereas this one, it took her longer and, and I think she got more strong. And then it gives us that little bit of hope at the end when she meets James in the elevator. And then she answers the question correctly about mm-hmm. Monty Python and uh, yeah I really liked that actually I thought <laughs> I was like yeah that's good um, because I, I think that means that they, they're going to be happy um, and I think it means more now because of all the shit she went through with Jerry mm-hmm. do you know what I mean Yeah. Um, rather than because now James can just woo her all over again and <laughs> But then at least it might happen a bit quicker and it might, you know, because there's, Jerry's no longer there. What's your second problem? Um, my second problem isn't really with this movie, but with movies that do this thing. And that's, okay. why do people throw their wedding rings? Oh my God. Rings that should have been one of my problems. <laughs> I ha- Oh, no, I have a note. I, I see it now. <laughs> <laughs> my first note on my notepad says, I hate when people throw wedding rings in the water. Why didn't it occur to me that could be a pro- I mean, it's your problem, so yeah. I'm glad I didn't. But no, no, you hawk that. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get yourself some start over money. Exactly. I know that there are plenty of people who aren't sentimental at all. But for me, I'm like, I would never do that because I might regret it later. Yeah, I'm not sentimental in that way, but I like money. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they look nice. Like, mine, I don't think you could get a ton for it because we didn't have a ton of money at the mm-hmm. time. So, in in com- I mean, at the time when we bought it, it was a lot of money for us. But in comparison to most wedding rings, I don't think it- <laughs> I don't know how much it would get. But I can't imagine throwing it away. Yeah. But, yeah, she just lost her job. Yeah. And she's having to move out. She could use that money. She could. 
she could. But it's a trope that I really don't get. I mean, it's symbolism, I understand that, but practically you wouldn't do that. (laughs) I bet bet there are people that do. Because it's in the moment, you're so angry. And like, what? (laughs) Uh, One place that I think if you live near the water, I think like. A lot of people, when they live near water, going near the water when they're upset or something, like it's calming or it's like a place you can be alone. Like, I understand the drama of doing that, but like, I could never mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, that drives me crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I hijacked your problem. No, it's all right. So it. it, we had a discussion <laughs> about it, so it's fine. Because when I wrote it down, I was like, what am I going to say about this? But, you know, <laughs> so what's your third problem? Uh, my third problem, uh, when you were talking about uh, how most of the men suck, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about James, and James is great. I love James. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally understand the reasons for uh, pretending he's married. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a thing that I think really happens to people. And, um, like, when, a, when I can't imagine, like, if Dylan and I were getting a divorce and my mom was dying, I would do the exact same thing if Dylan would agree to it. Um, I would not want her die knowing I was getting a divorce. Right, okay. <laughs> um, what I hate is the need to create this problem for their relationship. Right, yeah. Like, the movie's interesting enough and has enough um, conflicts as it is that I don't need her thinking James is lying about being married. I don't need that. It is unnecessary. Um, and James seems like such a good guy that honestly, he seems like the kind of guy who would like actually tell her about that. Mm-hmm. Especially knowing she just discovered her husband cheating on her. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that one of the biggest flaws with romantic comedies is that they usually have one conflict too many. Yeah, it's definitely forced conflict. And it's things that people can easily explain and don't Mm -hmm. like when he goes to see her friend he could easily explain the situation to her friend and he doesn't yeah i was thinking that when i was watching that it was like well tell the friend right there because then she can tell um Mm -hmm. helen and then you know it it happens on tv all the time where it's like and it usually is like someone thinks someone's cheating and there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for it but one the person who has the explanation doesn't give it or doesn't give it well which drives me crazy Mm -hmm. and two um the person who has the problem usually confronts it in a terrible way and i feel like while that does happen in real life uh Plenty of people understand how to be like, no, actually, this was a misunderstanding. (laughs) This is what happened. Or plenty of people are like, I'm not going to play games for a long time. I'm going to confront this situation head on. And um, it's 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 part of the thing where writers, I think, lean on romance too much. Yeah. Um, And don't know how to write interesting conflict <laughs> yeah. for relationships. And here it's just, we just don't need the conflict with James. Right. So my third problem is the dialogue because it's not, I mean, it's a well-written enough film, but there's some, especially in the first half hour, there's a lot of what is known as, as you know, lines. Um, and an as you know mm-hmm. line is like where Jerry goes to see the best friend and he says, You're uh, as as her best friend you should blah 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 
and that's an as you know line mm-hmm. telling someone something that they already know but for the benefit of us so him saying you are her best friend is something that the best friend already knows he didn't have to say it but he's saying it for the benefit of the audience and the first half hour of this movie is full of that <laughs> and it annoyed me because uh, I don't I think that is really, really lazy. And it's it happens as well with Jerry talking to his best friend. And the best friend is saying, remember when I said this? And remember when I said blah, blah, blah? And remember when I said... And it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But he knows this. <laughs> you don't need to say it. Try and think of another way to write it to benefit the audience instead of making your characters look stupid and saying things they already know. I wonder if there's... A way if somebody could pull off a movie where anytime they want you to know information that would have to be clumsily explained if they just put something at the bottom of the screen giving you information (laughs) (laughs) like I think that I think that would be hard to make it work but I'm just wondering if someone could make that work where they just like throw you some facts kind of like pop-up video or something um but without having to have the um the exposition actually said because there is other ways for for it to show for the movie to show us that she is the best friend he doesn't have to say as her best friend you should yeah um i assume if she ran to go stay with her friend that is her best friend (laughs) yes i mean even if the audience think it's her sister or something it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter because it doesn't it doesn't matter their relationship exactly we, we get it. I learned something about this movie, Jen, that it's rated PG-13 in America, but it's actually edited to make it PG-13. So if you've watched the PG-13 version, you actually saw the, the edited version, and mm-hmm. I saw the 15 certificate version, which was uncut. And I learned that, and I thought that was interesting. So you actually watched the edited Weird. version. That's not fair. They cut swearing out of it, apparently. Miramax cut swearing out of it. It's because those damn Brits cursed yeah. too much. <laughs> there's only two. There's only two f bombs in it. So hmm. Jerry says "fuck" right at the very beginning when he's caught having sex because he's orgasming and he says "fuck," like "fuck." Maybe that's part of a problem. I don't, <laughs> now that I think about it, like I remember it was a big deal that they made an exception for about a boy. When it had two fucks in it, because mm-hmm. um, they usually only allow one, and that's British too. Yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't know that. Later on, Jerry says, "Oh, is it? No, it's Lydia." I think it says Jerry. Jerry fucking express. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, that is in mine. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if is it? Did they say specifically that it was language, or could it also be sex scenes? Well. It says language, but okay. the only other things is like words that aren't really um, swear words in America, like wanker and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and twat yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, she says twat a lot. Yeah, but it could be, it could just be, uh, it could be the sex scenes as well, because the opening sex scene with him and Lydia is quite sort of strong. 
Well, in in America, like we're fine with um, thirteen year olds watching a ton of violence and stuff, yeah. but they cannot see sex and they cannot hear people cursing too yes. much, or else uh, that's horrible. It's the same with American TV as well. Mm-hmm. Like a CW show can have people explode and stuff, but then you're not allowed to, you know, say shit. I just remember being in. I was in a hostel in London. This is like uh, two thousand three, and I was in the like kind of lounge area getting some terrible instant coffee <laughs> and the TV was on and six feet under was on. And it's like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like it's a, like it's HBO, like here we have to pay for the extra channel. Mm-hmm. Like this is just on a channel anyone can get. Yeah. And there were naked bodies and cursing. And I was like, this is so different. Yeah. <laughs> like that would never happen here. Yeah. Um. I I remember there was a point where they uh were showing Sex in the City on um a non premium cable channel here, and they had to edit it heavily. Uh-huh. Um. I mean, partially because there were commercials, um, and there aren't on HBO, and part of it was because you couldn't have certain things on just regular cable here. And it was like, why would you even do that? Like <laughs> watching an episode of Sex and the City like that. I was like, I don't even see the point in trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Like we are prudes here. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Let's move on, Jen. What is your positive of the movie? I guess just the story of the, like, not just the story of the movie, but like, because like you said, not all the dialogue mm-hmm. is great, but like it's very well constructed mm-hmm. movie. Like he cut, he does a very, because it, it's obviously a very confusing idea, like concept to watch. Yeah. And so I think he did about as good a job as you can mm-hmm. showing the different, which timeline is which. Um, I once read a book called The Post-Birthday World by Lionel Shriver. It was a really good book, but I don't know if I'd recommend her because I think I hate her, but I don't remember why. She's probably a turf. Like, it's probably like a J.K. Rowling type thing because she is British. And I know that's like more mm. of an issue uh, with the Brits than it is even over here. Um, but I know there's something about her that made me fume. So right. I'm not going to recommend it. But that one, it was at least easy. Like it was every other chapter. Right. Like it was easy to keep track of which timeline oh, right, okay. you're dealing with. Um, but here it's like if Gwyneth Paltrow isn't in the scene. Yeah. With her blonde hair or brown hair, it's as. hard to figure out. But, like, I think he did about as good a job as mm-hmm. anyone could. Um, so I, it's just, I mean, I guess, like, it's just the idea <laughs> and execution of the movie I find very, very impressive. And I'm actually shocked it hasn't been done more since. So my, my positive is actually Gwyneth Paltrow and John Hanna, um, because they're very good in this. And they actually have some really strong chemistry as well. I believe that she is falling in love with James. I don't believe what she mm. ever sees in Jerry, but I don't know if you're really supposed to because you're not supposed to want her to be with Jerry. So, well, Jerry's the kind of character that we are introduced to him when he's uh-huh. a total asshole. I think it's a case of like she when she met him, he was probably very charming. And maybe he had had, I can't remember, did they say if he'd ever published anything? No, I think this was his first book that he just never finishes writing. Okay, like that she, I mean, she's younger than him and that she probably met him and he he was like a charming writer and he got her. And then it's like, 
like that and that's a pretty standard story right like you'll hear about the the woman who's charmed by the man and then after a while it turns out she's supporting mm-hmm. his slacker lifestyle and he just start like cuz w- once you've reeled the person in you can just start yeah being trash exactly. and he does yeah um but yeah that's my that's my positive yeah. is those two i think they work really well together they've got good strong chemistry and i believe mm-hmm. that they fall in love which is what you need basically mm-hmm. because if you've got two actors who clearly don't like each other um and uh, they don't get along um in real life you can always tell that not always though well i think well it depends the the big the the big example i think of is um on gilmore girls uh lauren graham and scott patterson so your example is something i haven't seen (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just saying like the big couple of the show like the couple that everyone loves is luke and lorelei Um, And they have very good chemistry and you're really rooting for them all the time. And then later it came out that they did not get along. (laughs) Like they did not like each other. It's, it's, but they were professionals and they came to work and did their job. But yeah, I think you can tell with a lot of people. And then there's Catherine Zeta Jones Mm -hmm. who has no chemistry with anyone, no matter what Mm -hmm. the circumstances. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, because you do have things like Moonlighting with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd, and those oh, right. two, those two do sort of, they have good chemistry when they're together, but they hated each other in real mm-hmm. life, like detested each other in real life. But I, do, when when you watch the TV show, you do feel as though they just want to jump each other's bones at mm-hmm. any point. So that's really quite strange that they really don't like each other. Um, <laughs> But, um, and also you had uh, in The Notebook, uh, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling didn't mm. get on, but then they did because they were dating in real life, and <laughs> they didn't, and they did. And then, you know, but yeah, there is sometimes you can tell that they don't really, actors don't like each other. But sometimes uh, they can love each other and have mm-hmm. terrible chemistry. Uh, mm-hmm. I never saw Geely, um, but I heard that... Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez didn't have good chemistry in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were together at the time. They were, yeah. I think a lot of the time you can tell if they if they don't have any kind of affection for each other. Or maybe, maybe I should say it more, you can tell when they do have an affection for each other. Like, not necessarily, yeah. um, like, in a romantic way, but, mm-hmm. like... I would be shocked if you told me that Gwyneth Paltrow and John Hanna, like, hated each other. Yeah, so would that, because they, they do seem to. I mean, I haven't really found much behind-the-scenes stuff for this movie. Mm-mm. There isn't really that much. Um, but you'd think you would have heard about that. So. Well, I all I know is that John Hanna was on board very early and was a big mm-hmm. part of the process of even getting it made, like, even getting funding. Yeah. And that he was very proud, of, like, that I think it's still one the thing he's most proud of or one of the things he's most proud of, which is good to hear about because, like, a lot of people don't take romantic comedies seriously. And there'll be a movie like this where you're like, this is just a pretty solid film. And then it turns out everyone hates it. Yeah. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow back in, like, I don't know, it was probably 2002, 2003. It was after Shallow Hal. She did a, an Entertainment Weekly uh, interview where she said she only liked, I can't remember if it was three of her movies or five of her movies, but it was a small number of her movies. 
And when the I, I do remember when the journalist made a joke about shallow Hal, she was like, we don't need to be unnecessarily cruel. And that endeared <laughs> me to her that like because the fairly fairly brothers are notoriously like just really nice guys. Mm-hmm. And I did like the fact that she was like, well, we're not going to trash this for no for like yeah like there's no reason to get nasty but i always wondered like what those like five movies were that she liked and i hope this is one of them yeah because i don't understand i wouldn't understand why it wouldn't be one of the ones that she liked because there's nothing wrong with this movie really but something like shallow how you can absolutely understand why she wouldn't like it (laughs) that is all we have time for uh, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod, which is my other podcast, but just uh, all the podcasts are there. Shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is where you can message us and, you know, tell us that we're wrong about things. Uh, or give us suggestions about movies from the 80s or 90s that, you know, you think may be problematic today. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Um, I supposedly have a Party of Five rewatch podcast called Closer to Free. Um, I, w- I think we released it, an episode a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Um, so uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.